Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here, as always, uh, with my amigo Drew Dinsick. We're going to talk about three games today uh, in the NFL upcoming slate. I'm excited about all three of these, Drew. They're all interesting. They're all weird games in their own right. Bucks, Falcons, Jags, Browns, which has become compelling after what happened in Monday Night Football. And then kind of my favorite one of all, uh, and a line I really don't understand, and that's Colts, Bengals. But let's start off uh, with the showdown. That no one knows about in the NFC South, Bucks at Falcons. Uh, <laughs> Falcons are six and six, which is good enough for sole ownership of first place in the NFC South. The Bucks are five and seven, coming off a, a win at home to the Panthers that they probably didn't deserve to have. Or at least that was a coin flip. Total in this one is thirty nine in the dome. Uh, do you have any play on this game? Yeah, I'm following this market pretty carefully because the injuries to the Buccaneers defense are going to matter one way or the other here. Um, in a, yeah, I guess just to completely set up, set the table here, this is a play in game for the Falcons. Falcons win this game. They're going to be pretty difficult to beat in the uh, weak NFC South. Uh, if the Buccaneers lose this game, that is uh, basically put a bow on their season and they start looking at uh, quarterback prospects, I guess, because they're going to have a chance at QB four or five in this draft. Um, so it's it's uh, this is an interesting kind of high leverage game for these two teams. Uh, I wouldn't say that the Buccaneers have that easy of a path to flip the Falcons overall if they win this game, but it sure would go a long way to help. Uh, and in general, there's been a little bit of, um, you know, kind of souring i would say on uh exactly what to do with this atlanta offense even up against you know e- even at home uh and up against the defense that is missing some key pieces that uh you know is, is really a tough read last week like i rewatched carolina uh, tampa bay i'm i don't i have a problem i guess i don't know why i did that to myself but i did just to try, try to kind of because i needed to get a sense of was this a good game for the bucks or a bad game because they didn't cover they got bet against but ultimately like they scored when they needed to they got the high leverage first downs when they needed to to end the game the offense is like it's capable they have some absolute uh you know stud wide receivers still uh, i'm not sure why chris godwin has kind of gotten a little phased out this year but mike evans is still an absolute monster um rashad white has come along and really given them a punch in the ground um and traditionally their defense as schemed is outstanding against the run so this is a bad matchup for the uh, falcons uh, and I think the market is kind of taking, you know, taking note accordingly. Uh, it's come off of the three, which means at this point, if you're getting involved, you're 
probably waiting for continued, you know, positive news, um, you know, for the, uh, uh, you know, for the Bucks defense to take a, maybe a money line position. Um, I guess it really wasn't three at very many places. Uh, so maybe nobody really got the three. Um, but uh, total sitting at 39. Uh, quite low, uh, considering that neither of these defenses are that trustworthy. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, the, the Baker Mayfield and, and Desmond Ritter are both guys that, uh, you know, fondness for turning over the ball uh, at times. Certainly this year, uh, Desmond Ritter looks like he is just dying to find a way to fumble it in a key moment. Um, and Baker Mayfield uh, with, uh, you know, Jesse Bates in the backfield could, you know, give you points the other way. So slightly into the over for me here at 39 and uh, would only look for bucks uh, or pass in the uh, uh, side market here. But going to need some confirmation that they're going to have some of their linebacking core back because it's going to be a long day for them trying to stop the uh, rushing attack of the Falcons if you don't have Levante David or Devin White available um, on top of Jamel Dean, who uh, would be nice to have to take away Drake London. So um, probably probably uh, one that I will pass on. But uh, can you make a compelling case for the Buccaneers to either win this game or uh, steal the uh, NFC South? I think so. I think this is a good matchup for the Bucs mm. in a few ways, so long as they have their guys back. And I think a lot of the analysis of this matchup just revolves around health to your point about the Bucks guys with Devin White, Levante David, Jamel Dane all missing last week. And then the Falcons and Drew, I'm in the unenviable position of like really needing the Falcons to win the <laughs> NFC South, which I don't even know how it really happened, uh, but it is happened. No. It's a reality that I'm living. And so I watched all of Falcons Jets, which you know, similar to your rewatching uh, of Bucks Panthers, it's like it's like deciding to go and just watch like Manchester by the Sea for a fourth time. If anyone's seen uh, that movie, which is about as great as you can possibly get, but that was the experience uh, at MetLife Stadium. Where so a few things. So AJ Terrell gets knocked out like three plays into the game. Yeah. And he's their second best player on defense after Jesse Bates, I think. And they don't really have that much left at corner. It's like Jeffrey Okuda, who hasn't had a renaissance out of Detroit. The yeah. replacement for Terrell was Clark Phillips the mm-hmm. third. Uh, I'm not overly familiar with uh, Clark Phillips the third's work, but he was fine, but it was against the Jets and Tim Boyle. And he's 5'9", so he's not going to cover Mike Evans. So I'm not sure what they're going to do if they don't have A.J. Terrell. Nate uh, Landman, their best linebacker, he left the game. Caleb McGarry uh, on the offensive line, he left the game too. So if those three guys are right, uh, I'd like the Falcons in the matchup. But, I mean, the Bucks. to your point about them kind of being solid enough on offense... Baker's been good. Like he's been an average NFL quarterback uh, this season, that, which is perfectly fine. They've got a couple of good tackles. Evans is having an amazing season. Godwin is still vaguely useful. Like I think just the combination of Mayfield, Evans, a vaguely competent O line, a vaguely useful Chris uh, Chris Godwin gives you something of a floor on offense, particularly yep. in a dome against the suspect pass defense in Atlanta. And the Bucs, they're, they're big floor. And the Bucs, they've always, it feels like forever they've had a good run defense. Uh, and that has still been very good this year. They got the fourth best run defense, dependent on the linebackers being available to somewhat, to some point there. But their big weakness is they cannot defend the pass. CJ Stroud threw 700 yards against them. They get lit up through the air every single game, just about. Uh, Brock, Brock Birdie had his perfect passer rating against the Bucs. 
But going up against Desmond Ritter, I think that weakness <laughs> is neutralized a bit. And now, having watched uh, all of Desmond Ritter's snaps against the Jets, and look, his PFF grade was terrible, his EPA per play, everything was terrible. I didn't think he was that bad in that game. Uh, I thought that like he can make some throws, he moves around a bit. He wasn't hopeless the way that Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon were hopeless. So I'm a little bit more of a Ritter believer now that I'm uh, riding with Desi, uh, much to my chagrin. But I do think if both these teams are at full health, I still lay in Bucks. Uh, I think these are pretty much the same team. So uh, I would rather be on Bucks plus two and a half. Yeah, pretty much the same team is a good way to put it. Um, Mark and expecting a team total for the Buccaneers in the 18 and a half range. So basically, they probably need 20 points to get the win. Uh, you could take a team total over as a potential hedge and just hope that the Falcons find a way to get it done 21-20 or something along those lines, which is not crazy. Um, but you're correct in pointing out that there is a pretty decent floor for the Bucks' offense. Um, worth pointing out, the Buccaneers' defense is a step down from facing the Jets. Yes. Almost certainly. And the Falcons' defense is a is a step down from facing the Panthers as currently constituted in my opinion. And so I think both of these offenses may be having a little bit more breathing room, a little bit uh, more success. And of course the dome environment, as you mentioned, I think all, all huge factors. I'm kind of talking myself into an over. Um, I'm going to relook at my numbers here, but uh, I originally made it 40. I saw a point of an edge. Anyone betting overs this year is basically ready to call it a season because it's been <laughs> such a miserable experience, but uh, this is what I'm going to have to take another look at. Yep, uh, that's fair. Uh, just looking at the Panthers' performance against the Bucks, I mean, they had vaguely positive, uh, almost positive EPA on the ground against the Bucks. Like certainly relative to Tampa Bay's usual performance against the run, the Panthers uh, exceeded that. So I think certainly if they don't have, you know, Dean and White uh, and Levante David, then they might be in a bit of trouble against. Uh, Bijan and Tyler Algier and company. Cordell Patterson started got to stop getting snaps. Like it's just it's what, such is he, a what are we doing? Why? Oh, is, why? Again, again, it's such a miserable existence that spending <laughs> time away from my family, hoping that Cordell Patterson stops getting the ball uh, in the rain at MetLife Stadium. But uh, he he just seems like he had nothing left. Uh, yeah. And Bijan has plenty left, and even Tyler Algier is he's perfectly yeah. solid. And in a game like that, where you just want you just want four yards each play, that would be fine going up against Tim Boyle. Yeah. Uh, either, yeah, either stop giving Cordell Patterson the ball, or give him some cleats and take away the cement shoes that he's wearing right now, because it, it takes him an eternity to get back to the line of scrimmage. It is wild watching it. Yeah, it's he's he might be done. He's got it looking now. He's got a fifty-eight PFF grade. Uh, Tyler Algiers, 76, Bijan, 68. Just thought there's no need for Cordero Patterson. You've already got two perfectly good running backs. Don't need to, uh, to yeah, yeah, play all the hits with Cordero. All right, <laughs> before we move on to uh, another weird game, Jags-Browns. This holiday season, Drew, it's coming. Get the fantasy fan in your life, the exclusive Roto World Draft Guide Bundle Ooh. featuring expert analytics, player insights, and season-long tools. Get all three of the draft guides for one low price. Go to NBCSports.com slash holiday bundle and use code holiday23 at checkout to receive 25% off and a $10 Fanatics gift card.
Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right. Jags Brown. Browns. This is the chaos game. Uh, yesterday, well, we're recording on uh, Tuesday late afternoon. Uh, before Monday Night Football, this line was Jags minus three. Is now Browns minus three uh, and still getting backed there. Uh, the favorite the total is 31 and a half down from 40. Uh, the news, of course, that Trevor Lawrence has a high ankle sprain, but everything is stable and he hasn't been ruled out for this week. Certainly the market thinks that he is not going to go. Uh, added to all this, I think we've got some weather in Cleveland too. So uh, it's all a bit of a mess. How do you sift through it all? <laughs> so we'll start with the the key thing, which is the downgrade to the Jags offense going from Trevor Lawrence to not just C.J. Beathard, but an injured C.J. Beathard. He uh, accrued a wrist injury in that game. Um, and the C.J. Beathard experience in, you know, just being inserted into live action was not as bad as you would have thought. Uh, he had actually a very nice deep ball to um, uh, Calvin Ridley out of structure that got called back with the... A very obvious hold um but uh there's a problem here jay and uh in a perfectly if everything if everyone else on the jaguars was healthy and you take out trevor lawrence and plug in cj bethard six points no problem the problem is cam robinson is hurt his replacement walker little went down in the game and your wide receiver too and christian kirk who would be kind of the guy that would be the most effective against this browns defense He's going to miss time too with uh, what I'm assuming is um, you know some sort of uh, sports hernia surgery. So um, not a great spot for the Jaguars any way you want to slice it. The fact that they have a short week on top of it to get Beathard ready because they played on Monday, not great. The fact that the Browns defense is home and you have now have another week of actually getting those defensive players the rest and rehabilitation they need uh, to be ready to play on Sunday, also not good for the Jaguars. And then the weather, which is again like, you know, what exactly... 26 mile per hour winds yes. uh, in Cleveland and yeah. a lot of rain. So. I'll tell you what, Jay. There is an impact of 20 plus mile an hour winds in, a, in, a, in an NFL game neutrally, right? It's yeah. even worse in Cleveland. Something about the way that that stadium is situated relative to the lake and the directions of the winds, it is a nightmare for any kind of ball <laughs> out of a hand, off of a foot. Like It just is absolute chaos when there is winds of that magnitude in Cleveland. And so absolutely agree with the direction and the vol and the velocity of the under uh here with the weather uh combined with the uh replacement quarterback i'm assuming joe flacco is going to get the start for the browns haven't heard confirmation one way or the other yeah is have you heard confirmation that it's flacco 
No, but DTR is still in concussion protocol. And I just think that Flacco played at a level against the Rams that DTR (laughs) and PJ Walker just haven't flashed this year, right? Flacco, Flacco, yeah. Flacco Flacco played at a level that would would have been in top 32 of all quarterbacks we've seen take snaps this year, I think. Yes, and DTR and PJ Walker haven't gotten there. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. Um, So kind of, of, I'm assuming it's going to be Flacco, although his kind of precision downfield passing is going to be negated a bit by the wind, although his ability to, you know, kind of be a field general and, you know, check into the right plays. And actually what he was doing in the intermediate part of the field over the middle was the most effective against the Rams. And you can absolutely hurt the Jags there. I mean, that was everything that Jake Browning did yesterday was hurt the Jags there. I am a little perturbed because I have been dying and dying and dying to sell high on this Jaguars defense for weeks and weeks and weeks now. They are not as good as their numbers. It is a lot of opponent, uh, you know, driven success that they've had this year on defense. And I all I got a second half over in the Browns game and the Bengals game. It was a delight. Um, but I got to tell you that I hope that people come out of this game thinking the Jaguars fixed their defense to a degree when in fact it's, it was the weather um, because the Jaguars defense is still very much a sell for me and my, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I, I, I want to give Jake Browning some flowers because he was awesome yesterday, but the, you know, the tackling, the scheming, the Jaguars uh, level of, you know, just overall performance was really, really bad yesterday on defense. And so, um, yeah, I think the Browns are the correct move. I think the Jaguars are potentially, if they drop this game and, you know, chalk prevails with the, uh, um, you know, the Houston Texans game, we got ourselves a little fight in the, uh, in the AFC South, which is awesome. Uh, not just because I bet a bad number with the Texans <laughs> that he is weak. I could get a better number right now is what I mean. Um, but, uh, it would just make for kind of a dramatic finish in that, uh, division, which I think is, is very likely. Um, so yeah, I think the I think the Jags are in trouble. Uh, I think if this dips back down to two and a half for some reason, uh, I'm, I would bet the Browns. If this moves to three and a half with the Browns, I am not going to be shocked because uh, the matchup of CJ Beathard against this defensive line at full strength with a replacement tackle, not, not good. Not good at all. And if you've been watching much of the Jags offense this year, you know that they have really, really struggled in just design run concepts. Like it has been a slog. And that's kind of one of the huge things you need to be able to keep the Browns defense honest. If they know that you're not going to be successful on the ground and they can pin their ears back and come at, come after you, you are in deep, deep trouble. So Jaguars could get shut out this week and it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. I just hope their defense does enough to, you know, kind of keep the market from completely going ice cold on them (laughs) and then we could uh you know play the ravens next week yeah i think the jags the problem is is that just both lines uh just not very good at the moment outside of josh allen uh as an edge rusher because they couldn't get any pressure on jake browning jake browning is pressured on 27 percent of his dropbacks uh and the it's not like the bengals have a great offensive line so that's Mm -hmm. a mess and then they weren't able to hold up on the back end uh, rough game for Tyson Campbell in particular. Mm-hmm. And they're just dealing with a ton of injuries. I think as well that like we're going to see if it is CJ Beathard and I expect it will be that Lawrence and his mobility, which has been compromised at times this year, but I think that covers up for a lot of sins on the offensive line. And if you've got 
Uh, and the Jags, to your point, like they cannot run the ball. They just can't run the ball behind this yeah. offensive line. And if you've got Miles Garrett, uh, another week removed from uh, whatever happened to his shoulder in Denver, and the other key thing is that Denzel Ward is going to be back, it looks like. And we've seen Ooh. time and time again, when you have your number one corner, who is a legit number one corner, comes in, it just changes your entire defense. And now, look, it's probably not going to matter as much if there are 26-mile-per-hour wins, but just having him back there certainly helps. Uh, and so, yeah, I think a lot of things are pointing towards Cleveland uh, in this game. The Browns, they just they just will not die. Uh, I think they win this game. They go to 8-5. and five. And then the Jags, who I still think are going to win their division so long as – I, I would expect that Lawrence is going to miss a week and then probably be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's just guesswork based on the information around. But maybe he misses longer, but I suspect he's probably back for Sunday night football in two weeks against the Ravens. Uh, but if they lose this game, uh, to your point about the division, then all of a sudden, like the Texans play like me and you each week from here yeah. on out. Like two games <laughs> against the Titans, they play the Jets and whoever's going to be quarterback for them. Uh, they have a very easy walk-in. Uh, they got to play. Yeah. They got to play Joe Flacco, and they've got to play in the final week uh, in the first ever uh, Coach of the Year off the Koi off. Uh, they play Shane Steichen and the Colts in Week 18, so it's not that difficult for them. Uh, so they're they're going to be right in the mix for the division if the Jags lose this, as we think they will. All right, yeah. before we get to. Uh, Oh, I was going to say the big one. It's big-ish. Colts, Bengals, a lot of repercussions now in the AFC playoff picture. But, Drew, this Sunday night, it's a huge matchup between MVP candidates and Super Bowl contenders when Jalen Hurts and the Eagles travel to Dallas for a battle with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango, it's your ticket to the movies. This Eagles odyssey of blockbuster marquee matchups is almost at an end. Uh, <laughs> and I just made Jalen Hurts uh, in his MVP candidacy in the ground, uh, preferably uh, after this Sunday night. But Colts, Bengals, the Colts are one point favorites. Uh, mm -hmm. In Cincinnati, the total is 40 and a half. Now, mentioned the weather in Cleveland. This is kind of the storyline, I think, behind this week's games, just in a macro sense, encompassing a few games. So the following games all have 20-mile-per-hour winds and rain forecast. Uh, Rams at Ravens, Lions at Bears, uh, Colts, Bengals, uh, Houston uh, at the Jets, and then Jags Cleveland, as we mentioned. So this is one of the very weather-affected games. Uh, I would expect this total is probably going to trend down. And so I think there's a couple of things here. One, the look ahead on this uh, was Colts minus two and a half. Now it's down to Colts minus one after Jake Browning touched God. Uh, so that's the first thing. Is that move 
big enough based on what Browning and the Bengals showed? And then secondly, and related, how real do you think that Jake Browning performance was? Uh, I'm going to give it 90% real. Okay. 10% an indication. Uh, actually, I will say 80% actually. I'm going to go 10% more of an indication of the Jags defense failing and 10% an indication of like they just had – like as you were watching the game, it just had all the vibes of like, man, the Bengals – I bet you everybody in the Bengals, if you – you know, asked asked them pregame. They all have been like, "Yeah, this was our best week of practice of the year." Like, they, they everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to do, where they were supposed to go. Zach Taylor, we do rarely give Zach Taylor flowers because I just don't understand who he is. Really, I don't like. He's not. He, I don't get his identity. Um, <clears throat> he called that game so aggressively because he was. This is, this is our season. This, you know, <laughs> we lose here, it's over, uh, and it worked. Uh, very well, I thought the uh, even in even in the fourth down attempts that didn't get converted, like just the fact that he understood the stakes and he knew how big of a dog he was and what they needed to do to get the win, all of that was outstanding. Um, and I think uh, you can probably leave the wide receiver throwback plays on the cutting room floor. Those didn't really get me going so much. Uh, didn't love them, um, but uh, the straight up what you were asking Jake Browning to do. And the concepts they utilized and the fact that they have a fully healthy wide receiver core and an emergence of a tight end and emergence actually have a wide receiver four. <laughs> like they actually have a really good, healthy set of weapons in the passing game that is making things easier for Joe Mixon to be effective. Uh, the offensive line is at full strength right now. Like I, I think that this offense for the Bengals is real. And I think Jake Browning, um, there is no tape of him on earth doing what he did last night. That was a, sup- a surprise, but I don't think that is something that can't be repeated against weak competition this year, particularly at home uh, and uh, against a Colts team that uh, defensively leaves you wanting a little bit. I think the Colts in general, we talked about already with um, you know some of our recap on Sunday, but Gardner Minshew is a turnover waiting to happen. Uh, he is now up against the Lou Anarumo defense that really tests you almost you know even in the absence of the safeties and 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 good linebacker play this year they still test you as a quarterback you know you know daring you to hold the ball and make the right decision and not make a mistake this has all of the fingerprints of Gardner Minshew three or four turnover performance in my mind and uh you know I'm I'm looking forward to you know does Jermaine Pratt get one or two interceptions with uh, Gardner Minshew kind of scrambling out of the pocket three seconds after the snap and just kind of you know ducking something over the middle in this game like there there are going to be a lot of opportunities I think for the Colts to stub their toe in this one uh Jonathan Taylor still not expected to be back uh the Colts offensive line has a great matchup so I don't know that you know the defense for the Bengals is going to get lots of stops in this one outside of the turnovers um but I do think that factor could be ultimately the uh the decider here I played some Cincinnati money line on the open I think that is still a fair play if you can get plus money there I think this is going to flip before we get to the week's end as people all kind of digest that um Jake Browning tape and come to the same conclusion that that is mostly real um, this is a guy that just didn't have many snaps at all. Uh, and honestly, the type of offense that the Bengals have had to fashion out of whole cloth to deal with the Burrow injury in the first half of the season now serves them very well to ask, ask Jake Browning to do a lot of those same things with now a fully healthy set of wide receivers and offensive line. So um, 
The Bengals could be spoilers here. I don't think they ultimately get into the playoff mix at all. I think the losses that they've had in division take them entirely out of any type of hope of running down the Ravens in the north. Um, But I think uh, a lot of teams that saw the Bengals on their schedule after uh, Burrow was done for the season and thought, oh, well, that game, which we thought was going to be tough, now all of a sudden we can take a deep breath there. Uh, you better think twice because this offense is still capable, I think, of getting, uh, you know, having relative success as proven by last night. Yeah. I have a lot of uh, conflicting feelings and emotions about this game. We've thought about this game more than any other this season, which is really bizarre because it shouldn't be uh, that marquee of a matchup. I just find it fascinating from a lot of angles. And the first, and it all winds up to me thinking that I don't understand why the Bengals aren't favored uh, like you. And I think this makes sense to me that, look, NFL lines are uh, generally very solid and very liquid, but where if there is ever a point where they're going to be vulnerable, it's when there's a lack of information around uh, the most important position, which is quarterback. And from what I saw of Jake Browning, I think there is a very good chance that he's just good uh, after that game. And I think, the, look, he had above a 90 PFF grade. He was 0.55 EPA per play. And I get that the Jags' defense isn't great, uh, and to your point, has benefited a lot from playing weak opposing offenses. But it's not like they were playing the Cardinals. Like, it's still a real defense, even if it's not an amazing one. And now they go up against a Colts team, which uh, unfortunately as well, I've watched a lot of this year, and they're not very good. And Minshew's <laughs> not very good. But there are a few interesting matchup angles with this. One is that, so the Colts have had, since Grover Stewart got suspended for PED, ah, the, the past six weeks, the Colts have had basically the worst run defensive football. Like Derrick Henry hasn't been able to get anything going on the ground this year until he played the Colts last week. They just don't have big bodies. Like they just they don't have the personnel. Yeah. Grover Stewart is back this week, and it couldn't have come at a better time for Indianapolis because there's 20 mile per hour wins. Uh, you'd expect that running the ball, there's going to be more of a premium on that. And so Stewart back, I think, is really key. And also uh, the fact that like these Colts corners are they're just not very good. Like the outside of Kenny Moore, who's great in the slot, like these guys like Darrell Taylor, Jalen Jones, like these guys, they weren't supposed to be the starters. Isaiah Rogers was supposed to be their number one outside corner. He gets suspended for the season. They've lost other guys at corner mm-hmm. two. And now I think the wind will nullify Chase and Co. a little bit. At the same time, Jake Browning just had a game where he put up uh what did he put up? He put up 23 total EPA with an average depth of target of 4.5 yards. So I think that the way that they played is going to be a bit more immune to the conditions um, than if he had an average depth of target of, you know, double digit yards. So there's that as well. And the Bengals, their defense, which I think might be the worst in the league, honestly, the way that they've played, they're in the bottom three. Like with Detroit recently, certainly as a pass defense, Cardinals, uh, they're terrible, uh, particularly against the pass, missing Cam Taylor Britt. So that will get nullified a bit by the weather. But I think the key thing is whether the Colts can run the ball. Uh, and the, the Bengals have a terrible run defense as well. Braden Smith left the game for the Colts uh, against the Titans. And that would be a huge miss if he is out because he's quietly been one of the best tackles in football this year. Uh, so lots of competing things. But what I come back to is that I just – can't get to a place even with the one day rest advantage where the Colts are materially better than the Bengals on neutral. Uh, And this is saying that they are. Uh, And I think that the Bengals, I just don't think the market is treating Browning as real enough. Um, Last thing, 
before I get your final thought, is that I think there is a chance that Browning, who, like I said, he was only pressured on 27% of his dropbacks uh, against the Jags, against the Ravens, it was 48%. Against the Steelers, it was 34%. And he was terrible under pressure in both of those games. Very so true. maybe it is just something where, you know, he's very good at making the first list. If he can go through his reads out without pressure, he's very solid and can get the job done. But he's going up against a Colts team that actually has a real pass rush now. I'm not really sure how it's happened, but the fact that, like, Samson Evercam has been fantastic this year. DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay. They've got the seventh best pass rush in the league by PFF grade. And I think they will win that battle against the Bengals' suspect offensive line. And so Browning, if he's under pressure and conditions, maybe it could go south. But I think he showed enough uh, on Monday night that the Bengals should be favored in this game. Okay. All your points are fair. <clears throat> I will, uh, I, I'll, I'm going to bump my. Uh... Um, spirited enthusiasm for backing Jake Brown <laughs> down and down a, a notch. Uh, cause I mean, it wasn't obviously, this is not my favorite look of the week. I just, uh, I think the Bengals at full strength on offense could be a tough test. So, um, yep, I think so. Too. If, they, if you can just get it into the hands of Jamar Chase and T Higgins five yards down the field and let them do some nasty stuff, then, uh, you should be able to sustain drives and, <clears throat> Who's the better kicker? Maybe the Bengals. I think uh, that could be the uh, the difference here in a windy game. So um, yeah, it's a it's a fun one, uh, and uh, I think uh, yeah, you're probably going to see this total take a little little uh, you know little money to the under. I guess so. If there's is there going to be a time to sell Colts? If you're if you're thinking all about these Colts teams, right? And really, like fundamentally, the quarterback is super untrustworthy. Like, yes. what's the what's the right day and time to really hit the sell button hard on these guys? But the problem is, is just their schedule. Like, it's I'm saying this is like a problem. I really need the Colts to win these games because uh, I'm heavily on Shane Starkin, the coach of the year, and I believe he has the most deserving case. But after the Bengals, it's home Steelers. That's going to be Trubisky. Uh, then it's at Falcons, home Raiders, home Texans. Uh, like that is as easy as it can possibly get. So. The thing with the Colts is that, like, they're bad. They're not very good. But at the same time, like, they have enough pieces where they, if they have a really good coach, and they do, they can be functional in all of these games. And the thing about Minshew that I like with the Colts is that Minshew's issue isn't, like, Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon where he can't make he just can't make the throws. Like, Minshew can kind of make all the throws. Like, his dime to Alex, Alec Pierce – uh, down the left sideline, and the OT, like that's a perfect throw. Like he can make all the throws. It's just that he's so high variance, and he just doesn't like. He, he's just to your point. He's a turnover machine. But sometimes the turnovers just don't come, or people drop them. Play to play, <laughs> like his median plays are pretty good. Like he can make all this. Like his game against Dallas for Philadelphia last year, to me that was the quintessential Minshew game, where he went through stretches against the Dallas defense, where it's like this guy can do no wrong. And then he just has two inex inexplicable turnovers and they lose the game. And so that's what Minshew is. But he gives this team enough variance game to game where they're kind of, they're going to be in all of these games, you would suspect. And there's this idea that Minshew's just going to, he's just going to have a game where, you know, he just shoots them out of it, basically. But they're so well schemed. They have a really good offensive line. Michael yeah. Pittman is an elite wide receiver. Josh Downs yeah. is really good. Alec Pierce was awesome on the weekend. And if he is a real thing too, Zach Moss is really good. I don't really understand why, but he's really good. They have enough pieces that they can sustain being an average offense, I think. 
And if they get, it's so weird to say it, but if they get Juju Brents back as a corner who's actually competent uh, and they've got Grover Stewart coming back, like I think the defense can be vaguely okay enough. And again, I think they just, they maximize everything that they do. They're just so well coached. Steichen with his play design, with his aggressiveness on fourth down, which is what you have to do. You have to overcompensate with aggressiveness when you don't have a talent advantage. And then defensively with Gus Bradley, who's been kind of maligned, I guess, of late, but like they know what they have. They only rush floor four. They don't send blitzes because these corners can't hold up uh, in one-on-one man coverage. So I think they're just a really clever team that's maximizing the most out of their roster. Uh, and all these games are going to be ugly and they're probably going to go three and two <laughs> and, and seven and somehow make the playoffs. And uh, yeah. I will certainly be beating the drum for striking. Yeah, I think uh, playoffs is definitely in the mix. I agree. Um, they're on a four-game win streak against four bad quarterbacks. Yep. Uh, and that's worth keeping in mind. Uh, and I guess... Uh, the, but they've got know, four more bad quarterbacks. they got four more bad quarterbacks. <laughs> if Browning's bad, bad, if Browning's bad four yeah. Yeah, yeah, four more. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's very likely that they're going to get to double-digit wins. I, I agree with all your points. Uh, are you going to have the um, the stomach to, uh, to take two and a half points with a money line week 18 hosting the Texans? <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be a, a big old high leverage game. Uh, <laughs> let's see what let's see what the Texans look like without Tank Dell again banged up on the offensive line. Like yeah. I think that I mean Stroud is just so good and so much better than Gardner Minshew. Uh, but I do think two and a half. I do think that is probably the line in Week yeah. 18. Uh, yeah. The game in Indy definitely helps. Uh, we'll make it a bit more of a contest, but that's going to be more or less a coin flip. I yeah. think. I think that's the approach of the year. Yeah, I'm pretty worried about the Texans this week, by the way. Okay. Why are you worried about the weather? The weather, the injuries, the defense they're up against. Yeah, it's funny because like Zach Wilson comes off looking so much better after what Boyle and Simeon served up. Like Zach Wilson's a bad quarterback, but I also think he is a real-life quarterback in that he can do some stuff and he can move around and throw the ball downfield. And I agree. I if if Wilson is the quarterback, I'd be taking Jets plus six and a half in in that spot. The look ahead was like three and a half or something, wasn't yeah, it? Right. Like it's, yeah, yeah, that's too big of a move. I'm I'm with you there. Six uh, points we'll, is big. It is a bit big, uh, particularly in the weather. All right, don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick and Juju Brents, we'll see you soon. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.